Well, hello there. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 287 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. Life gets messy. The way I see it, we have one of two choices. We can either lower our standards, lower our cleaning standards in our homes, or we can work smarter, not harder, by preventing messes before they become unmanageable. So on today's show, I invite us to do both of those things. We do need to lower our standards. We do need to remember that homes are for living. Homes are not pretty crate and barrel catalog images. We know that there are more important things in life than having that pristine home. But at the same time, we are also preventing messes before they become gigantic and stressful and overwhelming, not necessarily as a means of having that pristine home, again, but more as a way of lowering our own levels of stress and finding peace and happiness and joy within our own four walls. Today, I have five ways that you can help prevent messes in your home, an ounce of prevention. So my first tip is not revolutionary, but how many of us here in America do this? And it is to take your shoes off when you enter your home and make sure everybody gets in the habit. So not just you, your spouse or your partner and your kids, but the servicemen and women who come to your house, the guests who come for holidays, everybody, house rule, shoes off. Let's talk about the why. The Carpet and Rug Institute estimates that 80% of the dirt in our homes So all the dirt, not just the dirt on the floors, all the dirt comes in on our shoes. Now this makes sense, doesn't it? The soles of our shoes have grooves and ridges, and those grooves and ridges are designed to not make us fall. But these grooves and ridges are also havens for dirt and sand and mud, you name it. Scientists at the Southwest Research Institute found 16 different toxins, including pesticides and lead dust on the soles of shoes. Again, (laughs) makes sense, right? If you or your neighbor are spraying pesticides on the lawn, do you really want those pesticides coming in and nestling into your carpets? Pesticides specifically can remain active for years. Lead dust attacks the nervous system. And let's remember children here. Children are the ones who are playing on the floors, crawling, sitting on the floors. You see where I'm going with this. Now, countless cultures around the world have caught on to the fact that household mess prevention starts by taking off your shoes at the door or even better, taking them off outside or perhaps in the garage. These cultures, of course, have better looking floors, less indoor messes, and they keep up their homes with half the work that we do. That half number is an unscientific number. (laughs) If you live in a home in which you wear shoes in the home, I have some tips to make the transition to shoeless living easier. Tip one is to put a chair by the door for guests or for anybody who needs to sit when removing or putting on their shoes. So just put a chair by the door. Tip two is to embrace room shoes or room socks. For me, it's either slippers or a really thick pair of wool socks in the winter. I keep them by the door. I put them in my shoe cubby. So I come home, I take off my shoes. I put the room shoes or socks right on, especially in the winter. My floors are freezing. I'm not going to want to walk around in bare feet or thin socks. So I have my 
house shoes, my room shoes right there. Tip three, if you want to get really vigilant with this, is to put a boot brush or maybe even an old toothbrush or something with bristles by the door. So when your shoes are extra dirty on those extra muddy days, you can quickly and easily get the grime out of those grooves and go on with your day. And my final tip is a bonus tip uh, if you want bonus points. And that is even better than taking your shoes off inside but by the door is take them off outside or in the garage. Perhaps if you don't live in a cold climate or if you don't mind putting on cold shoes in the winter, you can store your shoes in the garage. Come up with some sort of great shoe storage and don't even bring your shoes in the house at all. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what about guests? I don't want to be rude. (laughs) What about those instances when you're having a dinner party and the guests' shoes are parts of the guests' outfits? Okay, so... I hear what you're saying, but I must say, I am beyond ruthless with this, and I own it. I just simply nicely ask that people take their shoes off when they come over. I don't feel guilty about it. It's my house, so my rules. And also, if you wear your shoes on in my house, it's going to be my mess. Related to this is I automatically take my shoes off when I'm going over to other people's houses, because hello, courtesy. (laughs) So when I'm hosting a holiday, let's say and I'm calling people to invite them, I always say on the phone right away, I remind them, my house is cold. Perhaps you'd like to bring a pair of warm socks or your slippers. I should say that one person in my family, she is very fashionable. She finally caught on that shoes were not going to be worn in my house. And so she bought a pair of shiny, I think they're designer slippers. They have jewels on the toes. I'm serious about this. So she's hopped right on board. She takes her fancy shoes off and then puts on her fancy slippers. I'm happy. She's happy. Wonderful. Same goes with servicemen and women. If you have somebody over to do something in your home, use your discretion. Perhaps if the job allows, you ask them to take their shoes off. Perhaps they do need to keep their shoes on. Use your discretion. If you have outdoor animals, so dogs or cats who come in and out, Obviously, I'm not suggesting you go and buy your animal's shoes, but I am suggesting that you perhaps wipe their paws when they come inside after a wet or a muddy day. Keep a little towel by the doorway on those days, wipe them off, easy breezy. My take home for you here is that if you are feeling nervous or shy about asking guests to take their shoes off, don't be. Your house, your rules, be bold. No shoes in the house and be ready for much cleaner floors and less sweeping, less mopping, less vacuuming in your future. We're moving on to tip two, and that is to prevent excessive dust by investing in an air purifier. Now, I don't like suggesting that you buy stuff, but I'm doing it here. (laughs) Have you ever entered a museum or an art gallery or maybe like a fancy antique shop and wondered how on earth they keep all this artwork, all this fancy, important stuff free of dust. Do they dust all day long? No, they don't. They have a secret, and it is an air purifier. So air purifiers are well-known. I've talked about them on this show many times. Air purifiers provide cleaner, healthier indoor air, but they also have another major benefit, and that is they prevent dust. 
So now before you freak out and you say, I'm not interested in buying something expensive, just know that an air purifier can be as simple as buying panels that fit into the return duct of your furnace and air conditioner. Those are relatively cheap and they're effective as long as you change them twice a year. One of the sponsors of today's show and all of this summer's Sustainable Minimalist stoves is April Air. Maybe you've heard that ads, maybe you haven't because you skipped them, but if you have heard them, you will know that April Air sells humidifiers, dehumidifiers, air filters, and they also sell air purifiers. So if you're in the market, I have to suggest that you support the show by supporting the show's sponsors. I also should say here too that April Air's air purifier, as well as other air purifiers on the market, do your due diligence, but they help protect your HVAC systems. You'll have fewer maintenance needs. So as I'm recording this episode, we are on day three of a six-day heat wave here in the Northeast. Temperatures are getting, I believe, to up to 98, 99 degrees Fahrenheit today. Last night, my husband and I were in bed. It was extra hot. We've had the AC unit cranking, and he put his hand down by the duct, and we can hear the air conditioner running. It's quite loud. But when he puts his hand down by the duct, it's not blowing out cold air. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, when was the last time we got this serviced? (laughs) This is the absolute worst day halfway through a heat wave for this thing to break. We all had to sleep in the basement where it's cooler. Yes, it was a long night of sleeplessness. But so my point here is an air purifier has so many benefits beyond dust and Reducing dust is a major benefit, right? For people who dust, dust is the worst. But air purifiers also contribute to cleaner and healthier air, and they help protect your HVAC systems from break during heat waves. Hello, no brainer. All right, we're moving on to tip three, and that is to confine eating to just one room. Again, not a revolutionary tip, but one that perhaps if you're like me, you've become lax at enforcing. Now, when every room is a room for dining, every surface then becomes susceptible to splatters and crumbs and stains, you name it. So by confining meals and snacks and even drinks, you are drastically reducing the scope of which you have to clean up food remnants. Now, of course, special occasions, movie nights with the kids, These are all still possible and all should be made fun by moving food out of the kitchen. But make those fun events, those special events, the exception rather than the rule. So I love the 80-20 rule in this scenario. 80% of meals, snacks, drinks are consumed in the kitchen. 20% are reserved for those special occasions. Now, if you have this rule in your home or In theory, you have this rule in your home, but you've been lax about it. This is me, by the way. (laughs) It's time to rein in the troops. I have spotted my kids recently. They ask for a snack and then they munch on it as they walk around the house. I've chosen in the past not to say anything when I see this because nagging does take effort and (laughs) I am out of energy. Hello, it's the fifth week of summer. I'm exhausted. And my husband too, he is really guilty of this. He'll go to the pantry, he'll grab a snack, and it always, by the way, happens to be some very crumbly snack. And then he'll stand up and he'll eat it. He won't sit. Maybe he'll stay in the kitchen. Maybe he'll walk around the house. 
he's still making a mess and only I happen to notice the mess. How does that happen? It's time to rein in the troops. 80-20 rule. Eating outside of the kitchen should be the special occasion, should not be just eating a snack and walking around the house. Sitting down and eating meals, eating snacks, that is a central principle of the slow eating and slow food movement. Sitting down is a major means by which to enjoy your food more. It's an intentional living strategy. So this is my reminder and yours if you need to reinforce it because our floors get messy enough without people walking around the house eating. So we're going to take a break for this week's sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about tackling paper clutter and reducing our laundry loads. Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much Yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. So next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coastofmaine.com. And we are back. We are discussing on today's show five ways to prevent messes before they become unmanageable. Before the break, we talked about taking your shoes off when you enter the house. We talked about investing in an air purifying system to prevent dust. And we also talked about confining eating to just one room at least 80% of the time. So now we're on to my fourth tip today, which is to tackle paper clutter the second it enters your home. People notoriously tend to report paper as the hardest type of clutter to manage, and that's because it accumulates so darn quickly. I have somebody in my life who really has trouble with paper clutter. It is stress-inducing, opening the mail, responding to the mail, paying the bills is extremely stressful. So this person tends to pile up all the mail, all the paper clutter (laughs) into gigantic piles and leave it there. If that sounds like you, just know that that is a quite common habit. Today, I'm going to help you, or I'm going to hopefully help you break that habit. Because I'm guessing that if that is you, every time you see that pile of unmanaged paper clutter, it really stresses you out. It weighs you down. You carry it around with you figuratively. Let's take care of the paper clutter so we can let go of that aspect of your mental load. So when it comes to paper clutter, you have three options. You can either do it, you can either delegate it, or you can dump it. So do it, delegate it, dump it. I want you to really start to make that your paper clutter mantra. Do it, delegate it, dump it. Now, first step, step one, I've done a show on this, so I'm not going to cover it in much detail, but get off 
the direct marketing lists. I have done an episode on this. I will link to it in the show notes if you missed it. But really quick recap, catalogchoice.org is my favorite service to get off unnecessary mailing lists. It'll take you five minutes max to create an account with Catalog Choice, set it up. This alone will reduce a significant amount with regard to the volume of mail that comes into your house. Again, I'll link to that episode in the show notes. I have a lot of tips in it. It was an early episode, so just brace yourself for the earliness and the unprofessionalness of the episode, but the content is there. Now, if you haven't yet, perhaps you sign up for online bill pay if that makes sense for you, if online bill pay means you're still going to pay your bills on time. If not, keep getting the paper bills. Another tip here is to chuck the junk mail immediately. So you walk to your mailbox, (laughs) you leaf through it as you're walking back to your home or walking up the stairs. Don't even bring the junk mail into the house. So separate it. Go straight to the recycle bin. In my house, the recycle bin is in the garage. Go straight to the bin. Why bring the junk into the house if you don't have to? So immediately recycle or trash the junk mail. Chuck the catalogs, too, that you're not interested in, especially if you don't need anything. Why peruse catalogs unless you expressly need something? Perusing is one step before purchasing. So don't even peruse if you don't have any intent to purchase. Now, if you still get paper bills, open them immediately. Toss the paraphernalia that's inside. Keep the envelope if you're going to pay by mail. If you don't pay by mail, you don't have to keep the envelope, just keep the bill. For periodicals, so magazines that you subscribe to, but you somehow never get around to reading, hello, that's me. (laughs) Rip out the articles that you're interested in. Get rid of the rest of the magazine. Keep the articles in a bag, perhaps a clear plastic bag. Keep that bag in your purse or in your car and Rely on that next time you're waiting at an appointment or you're delayed somewhere. Read those articles then. Now, I should say here too, with regard to periodicals, my daughters are in this amazing habit where they love to cut up old magazines, cut up pictures, and make collages. I love it because it's not another toy. They're being creative. They're using resources we already have. So if that sounds like an activity your children may like to do, then save the magazines for them. But you got to find some sort of bin or system by which to contain them. I should say here, too, with regards to periodicals, that periodicals can be donated to hospitals, to nursing homes. Residents tend to love this reading material. So if you're in the habit of reading your periodicals and then donating them. I don't suggest you destroy them by ripping out only the good articles. Keep on donating them. My point here, though, with regard to periodicals is you've got to do something with them. Having them sit in the corner in a pile is not doing it, delegating it, or dumping it. Next up is to create a great but very, very simple filing system for the paper things you need to keep. In my house, Okay, this is how simple our filing system is. Our filing system is a file cabinet in the basement. Manila folders are labeled in handwriting. So no fancy labels here, no laminated anything. So in handwriting, we've written the name of the company or the name of the service or the name of the thing. And then when the mail comes in, we just stick the mail in its correct folder. We shut the filing cabinet and we go on with our days. 
<laughs> so we pay the bill, let's say, then we file the bill, then we go upstairs, and that is one less piece of mail that we have to keep on our minds and stay stressed about. Now, I will say, though, too, you do have to have some sort of do-it pile. In the do-it pile, there tends to be school forms to sign and RSVP cards to mail and bills to pay. Put all the stuff in your do-it pile somewhere in sight and arrange the stuff in a way that's somewhat attractive to look at so it's not a big eyesore. You need to have it in sight, though, so you don't forget to do the items in the do-it pile. In my house, we have this like filing organizational thingamabob. I don't know what it's called, but basically it enables me to vertically insert my do-it item so that I see all of them. So they're all in sight, but they're not in a hideous, messy pile. And then once I do it, once I do the thing on the mail, then I either delegate it to the filing cabinet in the basement or I discard it. So very simple. So have an attractive do-it pile, have a unattractive filing system, take care of your mail the second it comes in, and those three steps right there, I think, will significantly cut into the paper clutter problem. My fifth and final way to prevent messes before they become unmanageable is to reduce your laundry load. Now, I'm going to give you a list of don'ts followed by a list of do's. And I don't like giving don't lists because they tend to sound really preachy. I don't like to do this on the show that often, but I couldn't think of a way, a better way to communicate this information. So we're just going to go with a don't list. And please know there's no judgment here as I preach (laughs) from my ivory tower. All right. So when it comes to laundry, don't let your children change their clothes four times a day. (laughs) Don't allow towels, damp towels, to be placed in the laundry basket after one shower. Don't put clean clothes away for children over five. Similarly, don't change bed sheets for anyone over age five, except your own bed, of course. And finally, don't wash anyone's pajamas after one wear. Okay, so I did use the age five there. So don't put clean clothes away for anyone over age five. Don't change bed sheets for anyone over age five. I used age five because my youngest child is five, and she personally can put her own clothes away. She can even do some rudimentary folding, and she can take the bed sheets off her bed. She cannot do the fitted sheet. But I used age five because I think that age five is an age in which many parents can start to think about whether their children can help with their laundry load. Maybe in your home, your four-year-old is able to help with these items. Maybe in your home, your eight-year-old is now starting to help. Five is my number in my home. Now we need to back up that super preachy don't list with the do list with regard to laundry. Here we go. Okay, I love this. Do wear an apron when you're cooking. Hello, what happened to aprons? Where did they go? (laughs) They are so utilitarian. (laughs) Wear an apron when you're cooking. Save yourself from splatters and stains and hours of your life scouring stains out of clothes. Just put on an apron. Oh my gosh. So simple. Now don't go out and buy an apron either. Just if you have a big oversized ratty tatty shirt in your house, put that on over your clothes or just put that on when you're cooking. Easy. 
Don't wear your good clothes when you're cooking. <laughs> Similarly, when your children are doing messy projects, art projects, playing in mud. My kids lately, they've been like making mud in the backyard and I don't know, mixing it with sticks. I don't know what they're doing. Encourage them to wear a smock or again, wear an oversized shirt. Protect the decent clothes. Do make use of the sun. Okay, so there's the sun is your best friend when it comes to laundry. First of all, you can hang your clothes just like my grandmother did every darn load when I was a kid because the sun deodorizes and sanitizes your clothes. Also gets rid of stains the natural way. So you can do that with the sun or I'm about to change your life. You can turn clothes that you've sweated in a little bit. So you sweat in them. They're a little bit moist. Turn them inside out and put them in full sunlight. The sun will, again, deodorize them. Take the smell out. Easy. How hard is that? Take your shirt off, turn it inside out, put it in the sun. Done. Do avoid the folding of those pesky sheets by taking them off the bed in the morning, washing them, and then putting that same set right back on the bed. I told my mom this once. I told my mom this tip once. And (laughs) She said, oh, no, I could never do that. I like to rotate my sheets. And again, if this tip doesn't work for you, then you can leave it. But if this saves you upwards of five minutes folding four-ish sets of bed sheets in a house, then take this tip, take those five minutes, bank them, and do something more fun with your life in those five minutes. So take the tips that work, leave the ones that don't for you. And finally, do have enough clothes for everyone in your home to get through a full week of wearing, but don't have much more than that. When there's more clothes, there is somehow more to wash. Just trust me, I know from experience. So hello, capsule wardrobes. I've done episodes on this. I've done episodes for adults. I've done an episode on creating a capsule wardrobe for kids. I currently, I should say, my kids do not currently have capsule wardrobes, but they do have a small but curated amount of clothes because especially my five-year-old, she loves trying on clothes and then leaving them all over the house for, it's always me who cleans them up. So I, again, work smarter, not harder. Less clothes means less clothes for her to try on, which means less clothes for her to leave all over the home, which means less clothes for me to pick up, refold, and put away. Less clothes means less work and less laundry. Full stop. If you don't believe me, just try it. Laundry is a task that bemoans all households. Every single household. We are all united. Everybody listening right now, we are all united because we all have to do laundry. (laughs) But we can all also do some things on the front end to lessen the load, so to speak. See what I did there? Nice little pun. I am on a roll today. And again, we can all do things to make the job slightly more bearable. So I have like a little bonus tip for you. I said this at the outset that this was a five tip show, but one more tip. If you have a dog, prevent messes from becoming unmanageable by brushing your dog regularly and do it and brushing them outside. Don't brush them in the house where, you know, all the dander and dust and dirt flies into your air. No. Brush them outside. I have a dog that sheds. I brush the dog outside. You're supposed to brush a dog every day, I think. I do it, I don't know, a couple times a week. But that prevents dog hair from accumulating on the baseboards. It prevents all the dust and dirt. She's a digger from coming into my house. So brush your dog regularly. And also, if you have a dog, 
try to confine your dog from the beds and the couches. Why do a deep vacuum of a couch if you don't have to? Keep the dog on the floor. And by the way, I love dogs, so please don't write to me and tell me that I'm mean and I'm a bad dog owner for confining my dog to the floor. Dogs can stay on the floor and still be wonderful companions and household members. So that's like a tip five and a half, a little bonus tip. Brush your dog outside, confine the dog from beds and couches. So I so hope you enjoyed this episode. I will see you on Tuesday where we are talking about the concept of a convenience tax. Oh my goodness, so good. I will see you on Tuesday if you're listening to this at release day and are in a heat wave like me. Stay cool, my friends, and take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.